Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio original. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review if you're so inclined. For more information, visit nightshiftradio.com. So, I was talking about a show with Ellen the other day when we were walking around, and then I I was like, wait a second. This has got to be available somewhere on the internet. I mean... This is the internet we're talking about. Like, right. Everything exists somewhere. It's the best and worst thing that's ever happened in humanity. I mean, teaching teaching sand to think was a mistake. But that said, uh, it allowed me to find that, yes, in fact, uh, there are full episodes of Life After People on YouTube. Oh, wait. Is that that show where it, it like... It, it like was like a documentary, but it guessed yeah. what would happen after like if people just like snapped out of existence? Yeah. Yeah, so it was a History Channel docuseries. Yes. Uh, I don't remember how many episodes there were, but like I, I think I watched all of them. Uh, and I remember the, making the rounds of people talking about just like how bleak it was. Yeah. Um, it was also big right around the same time as like the the Doomsday Preppers and, mm-hmm. and shit like that. And, mm-hmm. You know, we we're a very self aware species where we we realize that our time is limited and we've turned it into entertainment. Uh, <laughs> But I, uh, I I started watching an episode of it again today, and it's it's exactly as as kitschy as I remember because it's like you know, you know we're not going to speculate on how we all vanished, but this is what could happen when, if there were suddenly no people. And it like it goes it starts with like a day, and then like a month, a year, three years, ten years, thirty years, et cetera, and just like yeah. uh, it'll focus like each episode will focus on a few different aspects like. This one talks about um, like the mummified remains of uh, Egyptians in um, museums, the, the mummies that were taken out of the tombs where the conditions were ideal to preserve them and placed into climate-controlled places in, in museums. And when the power fails, the body would start to decompose. And it also talks about like you know the body of Lenin uh, on display in Russia and what that would look like. And and then it goes into you know the uh, the USS Constitution in Boston Harbor and how like the, the water would eventually overtake that and like the old North Chapel. And then it, it even goes so far as like at the, the 35 year mark, they used this island off uh, the coast of Japan that used to be like a Mitsubishi owned coal mining town and how like, how like 
you know, roughly 30 some odd years after that town was abandoned, what that looks like now. And they're using it as an example of like what our you know, cities would look like. And then they start talking about uh, Houston being reclaimed as a swamp by nature. Uh, and there's some some startling parallels between that and the uh, descriptions that uh, Justin Cronin uses in The Passage uh, when he talks about going to Houston. Uh, the characters going there. Oh yeah, which, passage was the vampire one, right? Yeah, and yeah. we were we were talking recently about an actor, and I was like, "Who is this guy?" And then I I, I remember like looking up and pinging and reminding you that like the guy we were talking about was uh, was from the passage. He was oh, yeah. kind of like the the patient zero uh, vampire. I you know that was one of the, so I didn't read the books of the, of the passage, um, mm-hmm. but I I remember watching the show. And being like, all right, like I, I'm into pretty much any vampire thing. Like I'm, yeah. I'm down. I like, I love vampire stories. Uh, but I remember like getting to the end of this and being like, what the fuck was that? I wish there was more because it, it seemed bad, but at the same time I'm like, but it could be good, but it feels bad. I don't know. So I was torn was it on Mark it. Paul Gossler. Well, no, who was the Um Yeah, who played who played the Wolstead? I I think it was uh, uh I think it was Zach Morrison. Um or a lookalike. He definitely looks like him. It was mm. Mark Paul Gossler. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, he was he was Woolgast. Yep, Woolgast. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, so I remember being torn about it. Uh, and the guy I was thinking of was Jamie McShane, who played Tim Fanning in this. Gotcha. Um, wait, let's 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 complete this thought as an aside. And like, what the hell was I talking about him being in? I feel like it was something that we watched recently, uh, but maybe not. Maybe it it might not matter at all because I mean, nothing matters. Nothing matters. Time is irrelevant. Uh, time is irrelevant. Uh, meaning is a construct. Anyway, um, so it it was a reasonably okay adaptation. There were things that I had problems with, the details that I don't really remember now, and it doesn't matter again yeah. because nothing matters. Um, and like just kind of the the way that they they changed the story. Uh, oh, there was the whole thing of like there being a an affair between um, Tim's uh, wife, or no, Jonas's wife and Tim or something like that. It's like all the, these things that, that didn't need to happen. They didn't add anything to the plot, but okay, fine, whatever. Uh, but the whole first season was essentially an adaptation of the first big chunk of the first novel, which tells us the basic story of how, uh, of who Amy is uh, and how she becomes associated with the the program that that creates the the vampires and it gives us the the creation of the vampires and everything everything leading up to essentially the fall of humanity mm-hmm. uh, and then they tease at the very end uh, the compound out in California with the there was like the 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 colony that then the the next set of characters is focused around and that's where the story would have gotten really interesting from the perspective of the show because this this whole first season was literally just like an introduction to the concept uh is kind of thing where like you almost have to just get it out of the way in order to tell the the rest of the story it's important but like you would have moved on from it pretty quickly but then it got canceled, or I guess at the very least they just haven't made another season yet. So I assume pretty it's sure been it just canceled. got straight up canceled. Yeah. Um, and so like we'll we'll never get to see 
the the stories of like Peter and Theo and Alicia and Masami and like all these other like really cool characters that come from the colony and uh, the things that happen like following their storylines over the next two and a half books. Uh, and that could have been really cool. And I, w- I was willing to hold out through the the weirdities of the first season uh, to get to that. Um, but they just never got there. Wasn't uh, Didn't the end of the first season have like a crazy time jump? Mm-hmm. Or where it was like, yeah. oh, there's this thing. We got to get to the thing. And then it's like 75 years later. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. 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 Basically, the like without spoiling anything, because I mean, it's it's a vampire apocalypse story, so there's shit goes bad. Um, There's the whole storyline where like Amy is somehow connected, and like Brad is the wool gas is supposed to take her to uh, this compound in Colorado where they're experimenting with a virus that they they brought back from South America that like cured some some tourists of the of like terminal cancer. And like seemed very promising, and then had some some very drastic side effects. Very drastic. <laughs> yeah. uh, and like everyone else died except for this this one doctor who uh, contracts it, and he becomes patient zero. And they try to experiment. That doctor's with... um, uh, Doctor Michael Morbius, right? Uh, like yes, that. yes, yeah, exactly. Cool, cool. Yeah. I mean, the Morbius story is almost like word for word the origin story of uh, Zero of, of Tim Fanning in. Um, in the passage. It's wild. I'm, I'm just now noticing that the parallel to that. I was like, oh, yeah. wait a minute. That's yeah. Morbius's. Exactly. Uh, and so they, they experiment with variants on, on this virus with uh, death row inmates trying, like basically guys that like, they have no hope at this point anyway. They're never going to be paroled. They're never going to, they're never going to see the light of day. Uh, and they're given an opportunity. Like if this works, you're a free man. <laughs> they're not really told what the, the the potential consequences are. They just know that it's, better it's not than dying. It's, it, yeah, it is. It is theoretically not any worse than what their current situation is. Right. Oh boy, were they wrong! Uh, right. Because each of those twelve inmates, in turn, becomes basically like a like a. Um, so you have the big bad who was you know patient zero, and then yeah. all of these twelve little bads uh, that then spread out over at, at least the continental U.S. You don't get a lot of indication of what happens outside of the U.S. Um, unlike reality, the U.S. is effectively quarantined by the rest of the world <laughs> and the vampire plague theoretically doesn't spread. Sure. Um, there's some speculation there. But uh, you know, some humans survive this initial, you know, just massive apocalypse and, and like spring up little colonies around. And so that time jump that happens, it's like 90 years or something like that into the future is like a bunch of kids were like put on a train they very like London blitz style. They were put on a train in Philly and sent across the country to like a pre-established colony in California. Uh, and not a lot of them made it and not mm-hmm. a lot of adults made it with them. And they like, they set up this society and, uh, they have the you know the the basically the the, uh, the houses the the old houses are all named after like somebody that that you know got there on the train and then every now and then new people show up and stuff like that so there's a really cool story that that built around that um, you very you know very stock standard uh, post apocalypse so like it, it would have been in some ways uh, I think it would have gotten a lot of comparisons to The Walking Dead uh, sure. in that regard but. Uh, Really interesting. I would have liked to have seen it. 
Yeah, you know, uh, so there's two things about that. So one, I think if I was scheduled to uh, be executed and someone was like, hey, dude, uh, take this thing and if you don't die, uh, you can be free, I would be like, yeah, like, of course I'm going to take that because, like, the option is just straight up die. The other option is potentially not die, but either way, you're going to, like... Yeah, of course. I would hands down choose to be a vampire over most things uh, people would offer me. Yeah. They're like, well, you could do this or you could become a vampire. I'd be like, sign me <laughs> up for vampire. Let's go. <laughs> I think I would want to know in advance the as much as roles. they could tell me about what uh, what type of vampire I was going to be. Right. Uh, because the like full on like monstrous style uh, vampires that... Um, and Cronin creates in in the passage. I don't know that I would want that life, but like suave, like Bram Stoker shit. Like, yeah, sign me up. Like, yeah, I think I would want to be uh, right. You know, I fucking look like Tom Cruise <laughs> and, and Brad Pitt in their heyday. Hell yeah, immortal and sexy. Yeah, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already halfway there. Just need the sexy. Um, so uh, I think I would want to be the Michael Morbius uh, from the Spider-Man cartoon in the 90s, where mm. I have the tiny little sucker uh, things on my mm. uh, hand, and that's where I uh, soak up people's blood because we can't do blood. Or uh, there's the, the cartoon Adventure Time, and the, oh, yes. the vampire in that, Marceline, she just she eats the color red. Mm-hmm. So she just sucks out red out of everything uh, instead of blood per se, That's uh, which funny. I think is pretty interesting. Because so she'll just like an apple and just suck the the color red out of it, which I think is really cool. I also would not want uh, Del Toro's vampires, the, the strain. And like that's Hell like yeah. the fucking like like blood worms that like get in and infect your body and turn you in, and then you've got this like uh, like appendage that shoots at him. Like no, thank you. Pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Strigoi. <laughs> <laughs> what What do you think? Using current laws of science and and the things we know today, what would a real vampire actually be? I mean, there are, like, there is precedent for creatures that feed on blood. Sure. But, like, a, like, a, like, humanoid vampire would have to just be, like, some creature that evolved to be able to sustain that way. I I don't, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't feel like there's any grain of truth or, like, any foundation for, like, a realistic version of uh, media vampires, as as we've been told about them, I, I don't think. I, sure, I think like cannibals. Yes, hundred um, percent. A um, virus that makes people cannibalistic. Sure, like sure. so. Some like vaguely zombie ish. Like more twenty eight days later than Walking Dead. Like you know, more of like a you know a rabies type thing. Yeah. Yes, I'm. Yeah, I don't. I don't. So the thing, I mean, the thing about vampirism, though, is that it would have to be a craving for blood mm-hmm. and maybe a, a um, proclivity, that's not the word, uh, a, a hatred of the sun, which we know that the sun part, I mean, people have developed allergies to the sun. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a thing. 
um, that exists, but about the craving for blood part. I think I think you're right though. Where like the zombie thing is probably more likely, I, you know, where yeah. we know that things like that exist. I don't think a body the size of like a, a typical human could be sustained on a blood diet. I yeah. think there's a reason that you don't typically see larger creatures that that feed exclusively on blood. Uh, and this is coming from uh, like an acknowledged place of ignorance where I don't know that much beyond like, you know, certain like insect and arachnid species uh, and like uh, small mammals. Yeah. If there are larger mammals that tend to, to have a blood diet uh, and you know about that, uh, kindly at me. Yeah. I mean, I know that um, like there are some species and this is, you know, one of the things why it's associated with bats. There are some species of bat that do in fact drink blood. But the thing is, is they don't exclusively drink blood. They drink blood mm -hmm. and also eat things like fruit or small mammals or stuff like that, you know, small rodentia. Yeah. Um, so it's not really, uh, it's not really the same. Yeah. A, uh, like a, like a compulsive drive for like scavenger style predation. I could see being like a, a, a realistic, uh, affliction for a human uh, to basically like you you might not kill someone and drink their blood but like you might go and consume a, like an already dead carcass or something like that I, I don't I don't know I don't know this is this is a, a line of reasoning that I've never really thought that much about surprising I, I have spent uh, more time than I would care to admit thinking about how uh, real life uh, like zombieism could work but vampirism, I feel like I've I've just kind of accepted the lore as like yeah okay that's those are fun stories but like it wouldn't happen. I feel like zombie. I think of all the monsters, zombies are probably the ones that are the most scientific. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, vampires, werewolves all require a level of magic, whether it's a tiny bit. There's or a, bit a of lot of it. There, yeah. there has to be some sort of magic involved, especially with the you know like vampire, especially werewolf. The idea of turning into a completely different creature mm -hmm. and being able to turn back it, there's no like there's no That's, scientific basis for it but I, we could you know as you said there are in fact i mean rabies is a perfect example of the basis for um zombieism yeah and like lycanthropy like is you know kind of a, a real condition but like you don't you don't change back and forth between a wolf you just are excessively hairy. Right. Uh, I'm not not quite there myself, but I feel like I'm, I'm as close <laughs> as you can be without being medically lycanthropic or whatever the correct the, term the, is. The socially <laughs> acceptable line you are towing <laughs> slightly over it. Um, I I also appreciate, and uh, I think I, I think I said this uh, last week when we were talking about ghosts, uh, but I appreciate when. Uh, authors like Matheson acknowledge like why the fuck would there be any element of like religion to these creatures as well uh so like in I am legend uh you know, the uh, Robert Neville the main character like talks about uh you know how like all of these like various like myths and lore and stuff like that about vampires how he tries them all and like some things work and he's able to to figure out like at least a, a hypothetical reason why and other things don't. The cross means nothing. In fact, like his neighbor who is like constantly outside taunting him, like uh, just, just laughs at a crucifix because he's Jewish. Right. Uh, and like all these things. I'm like that makes a lot of sense. Like, well, like, like what about a, what about a Hindu vampire? 
Right. And I think he actually makes that exact point. Like, what, what about a you know, Hindu or a Muslim vampire? What about an atheist? Like, and I'd be like, oh, no, a cross. I'm just kidding. I'm going to kill you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing, too, because, like, you know, you think about, uh, you know, the thing, the whole idea of religion, any religions, when it comes to things that have exist, you know, have theoretically existed since the beginning of time, you know, I guess spoilers for Midnight Mass Midnight Mass is a great example of, of, you know, the fact that the religion aspect of it and the vampire aspect of it coexist based out of coincidence and not based out of it was created one out of the other. Because the thing is, even if you look at Christianity, I mean, Christianity is is one of the youngest religions uh, of all religions, you know, is it is probably the religion that formed the most recent. They very and much- it borrows so much from others. Borrow is very nice term, Caleb. That was very <laughs> polite of you. Uh, uh, yeah, they fully but, intended to give it back. You know, but like three thousand years ago, before Christianity was a thing, like you know, stories of of these sort of things, like th- these aren't uncommon stories. You know, like any sort of these monster stories. So of course they would exist outside of religions because you know, religion wasn't around since the dawn of thinking humans. You know. Like religion mm-hmm. is very much a more a modern world construct. I mean, although it, we're still talking several millennia, uh, you know, in theory, like the established world happened for thousands of years before, you know, Christianity alone. Mm-hmm. You know, tens of thousands of years, people were up and walking and talking and writing and stuff like that. So, like those stories still existed of monsters and things like that. Oh, so. it's just we we've always tried to understand the world around us, and there are things that you know uh, obviously things that we haven't yet been able to explain uh and so the the power of storytelling uh is is both a, a comfort and also a great way to uh to scare ourselves uh which was completely unintentional but is a great tie in not only to what we've been doing this month and never heard of it with our uh Victorian Christmas celebration uh that is to say ghost stories yeah uh, but also to the 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 new show that we're launching next month on January 1st uh, for for the new year a new show for you uh which you've you've probably heard us talk about at this point possibly normal which is me telling ghost stories yes. and specifically like True stories of things that may or may not have been paranormal without trying to explain them. Because as you can tell from hearing us talk, like, we don't know. And we don't, we don't try to definitively state one way or the other. You know what? Vampires might be real in some form uh, that, like, influenced the lore, but, it, like, isn't, you know, necessarily, you know. Uh, you know, the count or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I, I love that the the way that, that storytelling helps us uh, process, accept, and in some, t- in some cases move on from uh, these weird things that, that happen in life. So uh, if that sounds interesting, uh, definitely check out uh, our, our newest show that's, that's launching January 1st, wherever you get podcasts it's called uh, Possibly Normal. Uh, and you can go ahead and subscribe now if you want, so you don't miss it when it drops. Which is next Saturday. That's super exciting. That it's, oh, it's a week and two days away. I got a uh, lot of work left to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty exciting. But yeah, so uh, so we got that coming soon. So ghost stories. But we've got one more episode of this month mm-hmm, of our mm-hmm. Victorian ghost story, and we're actually going to cover uh, a movie. I, I'm pretty excited because this is a movie that I worked on called The Night House. Yes. Um, a really cool movie. So this, we actually shot this movie in 2019. 
Um, but because of COVID, ended up getting delayed. It was supposed to come out during the summer of 2020, uh, but it ended up getting delayed into, and came out the summer of this year, 2021. Um, and I'm really excited to talk about this movie uh, again, not only because I worked on it, because it's just a really good movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, so this one is is a movie that is on demand at the moment. So if you are the type of person that watches the movies before we review them, The Night House, starring Rebecca Hall, uh, is available on demand wherever you uh, rent your movies. Um, it's probably in the old red box uh, because yeah. it's a fairly new movie. It was in theaters over July. Um, so definitely check that one out. I am super excited to end the year on such a high note. Uh, you know, we, we both watched this movie today and, you know, without, without telling you too much about it, cause I, I want you to listen to the, uh, the actual episode. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie and I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. All right, guys. So that's our little bonus episode for today. Uh, we super appreciate it and we will see you on Sunday. Mm. father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.